Coming up on this week's episode of Themology, we are taking a look at the classic cult film, The Evil Dead, and the 2011 indie drama, 50-50. All that and more coming up on this week's episode of Filmology. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Alright everybody, welcome to the show. I am Jonathan Galarwa. It's also known as Johnny G over at filmologyshow.com. And I am joined yet again by the co-host of the show, Mike. Yay, hi. I'm Mike, like Madonna, yeah. just one name. Yeah, just like Madonna. Um, trying to think of some other people with just one name. Prince. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, I always forget about Prince. I don't know how I do that, being so close to Minnesota that I always forget that. So I didn't anyway. let you live there, because you forgot about him. <laughs> yes, that's that's the reason why. It's not that I hate the Vikings or anything like that. Anyway, um, Mike, how are you doing? You, it sounds like you're doing good. Oh, living the dream, as always. How about yourself? I I don't know if I'm living the dream. I don't think I'm living the nightmare at the moment, but I'm I'm surviving. That's that's really the best that you can do uh, right now with the way that everything is going. So, if you guys want to, uh, you guys who are listening, if you want to check out reviews for any of the films, and not the films that we're talking about today. But other films like Trolls World Tour, The Jesus Rolls, any of the older films that have come out this year in 2020, we have them over at filmologyshow.com. You can go there, check out all of the reviews. You can also follow us on Facebook, Filmology Show, Instagram, once again, Filmology Show, uh, Twitter, for Filmology Show. And if you ever want to send us any comments, questions, concerns, you can email them to filmologyshow at gmail.com. We will get back to those in a timely manner. And once again, as we had, as I already mentioned, reviews for this week's show. Uh, since theaters are all closed down, we are taking a look at films that are streaming on either Hulu, Amazon Prime Video, or Netflix. Because Mike doesn't want to get the Criterion Channel. So it's super isn't it like twenty dollars a month? It's ten ninety nine a month. That's close enough to twenty to be too much. Sorry. <laughs> for, for all the great films that are on there, I love it. But uh, that's that's all right. I, I do understand. Uh, I think the Peacock is going to be uh, coming out here soon, and I'm like, oh, great, another another subscription service that I'll have to look at, look into, and figure out what it's all about. So that's is it going to be free? I heard it might be free. There is a free ad-based version that has half of the content that the paid one is going to have. And the the base pay one still has ads, but it gives you all of the content. Hmm. I don't know. But let me me tell you, though, if I'm paying for a service and there's ads, like, in my movies, because it's all Universal, Comcast, uh, Peacock, uh, if there's ads in the beginning, like, anywhere once I start my movie... I'm going to be very angry and probably just cancel at that point. If you put the ads at the beginning of the movie or for some reason at the end, that's fine. But if you if you put them into the movie like a commercial break, I will be very upset and have to just cancel. Amazon gives you commercial in the beginning, doesn't it, sometimes? It does. It really, weird, it really weirds me out. But since I'm so used to that, I'm fine with it, I guess. In uh, Quibi, Quibi, is that, the new, is that the new thing that was supposed to be for your phone? Sounds familiar. Yeah, um, well, I didn't want to get that because uh, why would you watch something on your phone? That sounds terrible. Because you don't have anything else to watch it on? Oh, well, uh, yeah, there's plenty to watch, trust me. There is plenty to watch. Uh, no, I mean, like if, if you if don't you have, have a TV or something available for some reason. Oh, well, that, that's, that's, that's true, I guess. Well, now, now we feel bad for you. For judging all those people who don't have a TV. They'll, they'll survive. Okay, good, good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, once again, we are looking at streaming uh, films that are on streaming services. This week, I picked 50-50, and Mike picked The Evil Dead. 
Uh, so we're going to be taking a look at those, and we're going to be talking about filmology film madness. Mike, did you vote this week? I don't think you did, if I remember. When I was looking over at the, the, the voting results, I don't think you voted. I remember voting. Okay, well, then maybe you voted this week, and I'm just messing up everything. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be taking a look at the results from round four, I believe it was. Philly eight, so that'd be round three, wasn't it? Nope, four. You're right. Never mind. Ignore me. Yeah, round four. I I, I thought I was right. So yeah, round four of filmology from Madness. We're gonna take a look at that and then discuss what we'll be moving on to round five. Mike, do you have any other housekeeping here before we get rolling with the show? Nope, everything's clean. We're good to go. So we are gonna roll the trailer here for fifty fifty, and we'll meet you on the other side to talk about fifty fifty. I think you're making a big, big mistake. What? Don't do this. What are you talking Please about? Please don't do this. You said you're, you liked this You're going to look stupid, You man. said you would you're do gonna it. You're going to look weird. Come on, let's just do it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you use these for? My body. A tumor? Yes. Me? Yes. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't make any sense, though. I mean, I, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I, you know, I recycle. How do you feel right now? Fine. You know, I, I can't remember being so calm in, in a long time. Would you describe what you're feeling as a kind of numbness? No, describe it as fine. You're young. Young people beat cancer all the time. Every celebrity beats cancer. Tom Green. Guy from Dexter. Lance Armstrong. He keeps getting it. I'm moving in. No, Mom, no. Out of your mother, no. Adam. Wait, exactly. Inspired by a true story, a comedy centered on a 27-year-old guy who learns of his cancer diagnosis and his subsequent struggle to beat the disease. That is the plot synopsis for the 2011, once again, indie film, 50-50, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen, Anna Kendrick, directed by Jonathan Levine. Uh, Mike, uh, I don't know, had you seen this film before? Uh, this streaming pack? Yeah, I watched it in the theaters when it came out, and I watched it like when it came out on DVD again. I actually watched it like six months ago as well. Watched it a few times. And I had only seen it that one time in theaters back in 2011. Uh, it did make my top ten list that year. It was my number eight film. It was my eighth film of the year, my eighth highest film. Uh, I really enjoyed it at the time. But I have never ventured back to it until... Uh, a couple days ago for this podcast. I remember really liking it. And I, I'm, I'm not going to say I didn't really like the film because I still did. But it, it really feels like most of the characters in this film are not fleshed out enough. It feels like they're very just one-dimensional. Like, this is their character trait and that's all that they're going to do. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, I want you to have a little more dimension to you and you really don't and they just have that one shtick and then they don't really break out of it at all there's not much growth especially from like Seth Rogen's character it's kind of the same throughout the movie and then Rachel I think her name is the ex-girlfriend spoiler alert yep, Rachel she's pretty much the same throughout I mean you got the vibe that she wasn't really going to stick around as soon as it's, as soon as she was on screen their first interaction you knew she was probably going to be gone um, yeah I agree the characters are kind of flat, but the movie's enjoyable. They have good chemistry together. All The movie is enjoyable. I, I'm not saying that's not. I still enjoyed it. I don't think it, if I made my top ten list now of 2011, it would make my eighth spot. I think that, that that's a bit high. But, but, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying this movie's not enjoyable. I'm just saying it could be better. And, I mean, for, for you, I, I, I thought you would love this film. Once again, it's directed by Jonathan Levine, who directed your favorite Christmas movie of all time, The Night Before. Oh, yeah. I, was, I thought you were going to say Last Christmas, because that one's good, too. No, I'm joking. The Night Before is way better than Last Christmas. Um, also has the same, has the two leads in it as well. Um, yeah, but which I'm assuming that's where they all became friends. And I mean, he's he's worked with Seth Rogen before. Uh, Beyond that, he also did Long Shot last year, which was a actually a really good little romantic comedy. But yeah, this film, I just there's nothing that's like bad. I mean, there's nothing that's bad. Would I like there to be more character development? Yes, of course I would. But I'm not disappointed with the characters that I got. It's just I wanted more. In Anna Kendrick, I, I really didn't get much from Anna Kendrick. 
Uh, I think this was, yeah, this was this was after Up in the Air, so she's like the indie queen darling at that point, and I mean she was fine. I I don't really have much to say about Anna Kendrick in this. She didn't give me much of a personality. Uh, usually I really like her, and she was just kind of playing the normal Anna Kendrick in this film. Um, versus like something uh, into in, into the woods or the last five years, uh, she's really good in those films. In this one, she's just kind of and she's just a side I character I really, for the most part. Well, she's a side character, but I mean, I, I don't want to say she's bland, but she's just she never did anything that's great. I mean, if, if you've seen Up in the Air, she's a side character in that film. She's not the main character of the film. Uh, George Clooney is, but she has just great presence in that film and this one she's just she didn't have that presence that I wanted her to have um, even though she's the I guess the main romantic interest of the film it's true but she doesn't really get into it until like halfway through and then even then she's still kind of just there like Seth Rogen and her don't interact until like the very end isn't that right yeah, they're, they're that little interaction, which I thought was funny. I mean, so Seth Rogen, for, for those of you who usually don't like Seth Rogen, he's actually pretty good in the film. As we had noted, he is really one-note and one-dimensional, as he usually is. But I, 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 mean, I thought he was good. I mean, he was better in this film than I think he probably, well, than he was in uh, any of those other stoner comedies that he's in. Uh, the, the one that always comes to mind for me is like... Uh, Pineapple Express, which I just I I don't care for that movie. And I think uh, was he in Your Highness? I know that he might have been like part of the creative team for that film, but I didn't like either of those movies. I I don't remember. I remember Pineapple Express. He was in. I don't know for sure if he was in Your Highness. I just remember Natalie Portman and James Franco. I think. Yeah, James Franco and Danny McBride. So I, I think yeah. I got him in Danny McBride mixed up there, but. Seth Rogen, usually for me, is not really the, a bright, shining spot of a film. I, I know Samantha, for some reason, really likes Seth Rogen, and I think that's because she like remembers him in two movies. And yeah, she's he, like, oh, he's great. He can be good. Like He was good in The Night Before. I enjoyed it. But he is, like you said, one kind of one note. You, you're getting Seth Rogen every time. Like Even in this movie, he was Seth Rogen, whose friend is dying. I don't really think... He's just like... Um, trying to think of someone else. Like Kevin James. You know what you're getting if Kevin James is in the movie. He's just one of those actors. I can't remember, like, a recent movie that Kevin James has been in. The last thing that's coming to my mind is Here Comes the Boom. We watched Hitch which, together not that long ago. Oh, no, we, no, we watched Hitch for the podcast, but that film came out in 2005. Yeah, like, Here Comes the Boom was, like, 2012. And I'll just comparing them. Like, you know what you're okay, getting with Kevin James, yeah. And he just came to yeah, mind because we watched Hitch. Can't think of anything else. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, I just once again, I I picked the film. I thought that it was going to be a really good look at somebody who's going through a struggle and comes out the other side and has either a new outlook on life or has a new, a new just yeah. Once again, a new outlook on life. I I thought that's what I was going to get, and that's not really what you ended up getting with the film. I mean, it's still a great struggle to watch somebody go through uh, something this painful in their life. But it just, it, it didn't have that emotional punch that it did the first time I saw it. And I'm not sure if that's because I know the outcome of the film or if it's, if the film doesn't work that well nine years later now, you've just seen so many better films for me, uh, like the big sick or uh, that's really the only other film I can think of off the top of my head. I think it's because you know the outcome. I mean, rather if you know he dies or not, it kind of ruins a lot of the tension in the movie, any conflict, because you you already know how it's going to work out, so you're not really worried about it so much. And that's what mostly what the movie is. He doesn't. He's coming to terms with he might die, and you already know if he doesn't or not. So I think that's why. Because the first time I watched it, I liked it a lot. That's why I watched it again on DVD and six months ago. But, yeah, it's not as good this on repeat viewings. I agree. But, but now, uh, for those of you, if it's your first time listening, we have a rating system here at Filmology. For each film that we see, we have to give it a rating, which is see it, 
skip it. Uh, I always miss that. See it, rant it, skip it, let it burn. All those are self-explanatory besides let it burn. Let it burn just means everyone involved with the film, from the actors and producers to the caterers, should be put into film purgatory and not be allowed to make a film again for a, uh, a, a good while. With that being said... I am going to give this film a see it. It is not like the highest see it I can give it, but there's nothing that's bad in the film. The direction's good. The comedy is great. It is a film that, once again, if it's your first time seeing it, it could pull onto your heartstrings. Is I know it did for me the first time I saw it, uh, but this being the second time, it didn't pull at them as much as I had hoped it would. Once again, I don't know if that's the film's fault or my expectations uh, personally. So... I'm giving this film a see it. Mike, where do you land on 50-50? I'll say see it as well if it's your first time. If you've seen it before, or I guess if it's been long enough you haven't watched or you don't remember it to see it. If you or if you saw it before, um, probably more of a rent it. So I'll say see it if it's your first time. Yeah. And if you if any if you uh, any of you out there have any comments on the film 50-50, you can email them to us at filmologyshow at gmail.com and we will get them on the air or get back to you, whichever uh, you prefer. Just let us know in the email and we'll get back to you that way. Mike, we're going to play here a clip from 50-50 and then we will be back on the other side to talk about the filmology film Madness. Hi. Can I help you? Uh, I'm supposed to have an appointment with uh, Dr. McKay. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> please come in and please call me Catherine. Oh. Hi. You're Dr. McKay. I am. Uh, uh, well, have a seat. <laughs> Sit down, please. Um, sorry about this guy. You're Adam. Yeah. <laughs> and aren't you supposed to, you know, be wearing an earth tone sweater and be like 65 or something? Oh, did someone say I looked like that? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> sorry. If you don't mind, uh, how old are you? Um, 24. You're 24? Wow. So what are you, like Doogie Howser or something? Who? Doogie Howser. The teenage doctor. Does he work here? No, no. I just meant you seem a little young to be a doctor. Uh, technically, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor yet. Um, I'm actually working on my doctorate. Oh, right okay. Yeah, this is a training hospital. I see. So have you had very many patients? My patient history is not like, I'm your first patient, aren't I? Uh, No. No, not at all. Second? (laughs) No. Third? Wow. Okay. Third. How the first two doing? (laughs) Can't talk about that. (laughs) Right. So this is a... This is training. So, we are back now to talk about Filmology Film Madness. For those of you who this is your first time listening, you have no clue what I'm talking about, uh, over at filmologyshow.com, we have a single elimination bracket up to try and determine which is the best film of the 2010s. So we start with the 64 teams, and now, well, 64 films, and now we are going to be down to four films. So we had the the uh, the Elite Eight, or once again, we're not sure if that's trademarked, which it probably is, but we had eight films that were all going up against each other. We had, in uh, round four, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse versus Inside Out, The Social Network versus La La Land, Get Out versus Arrival, and Avengers Endgame versus Guardians of the Galaxy. As with all the other rounds of the tournament, we do have one film that won 100% of the vote. However, for the first time, it is not Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mike, would you like to guess which film got 100% of the vote? Was it La La Land over the social network? It was not La La Land over the social network. That was my best case scenario. I'm thinking it's a rival over Get Out. It's not a raffle. Oh, get out. Um, the one film. Endgame over Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. It, the one film that is going to be moving on with 100% of the vote is Avengers Endgame. It just crushed Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think that's just because, I mean, Avengers Endgame is this culmination of cinematic 
joy, at least for me, and I'm assuming for everyone who voted, uh, just this 10-year journey that's coming to an end. And, and I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of people who don't have any interest in watching any more Marvel Cinematic Universe films because of how perfect of an ending uh, that Avengers Endgame is. It's just a great ending to, to once get to 10 years of, of Marvel. And yeah, that's going on to the, the next round of the tournament. And at this point, I really think that Avengers Endgame is going to win the tournament. I I, I had some doubts originally because I thought Guardians of the Galaxy could put up a challenge, and uh, that didn't happen. So we have uh, Avengers Endgame going on to the next matchup. Might as well continue going down here at the bottom then. We had Get Out versus Arrival. And Mike, which film do you think is going on? Arrival, obviously. Yeah, and Arrival is going on to go against Avengers Endgame. I mean, it was close. I mean, all of them besides that one matchup were close. For some reason, Guardians of the Galaxy just... Which I know is a film a lot of people love. It just apparently they like Avengers Endgame more. But uh, everything, every other matchup here was close within five votes. So I think that's great. I think that means a lot of people like these films that we're talking about. And I I do feel bad that Get Out's not moving on. But, I mean, Arrival, especially right now, uh, Denis Villeneuve. Have you seen those pictures of Dune? No, I haven't. Man, I, I, I was not excited for Dune. I was like, eh, whatever, a little science fiction book, novel, uh, not novel, but a little science fiction movie, whatever. I, I am really excited for Dune now. It might be like my most anticipated film of the year. It, it, just the cast, the way that it looks. I always forget how visually appealing his films look until I, until like I, I'm reminded of it by seeing pictures or just seeing clips online uh a lot of people for some reason have been posting things about blade runner 2049 and i I forget how much of a great film that is and how upset i am that we're never going to journey back to that world i know he had planned on going back to it and now that's obviously not going to happen because the film uh, didn't do that well at the box office which is give it 10 years or 20 i'm sure they'll go back to it eventually yeah disney's been talking about a tron movie so you're right i mean every if you have about 10 years, we'll travel back to Tron and Blade Runner. Which is good. 10 years is a good distance between them. It'll be fine. It'll be good. I like them, but I don't really feel like there was a sequel in there that needed to be told immediately. But that's a side tangent, though. <laughs> Sorry. Next matchup, The Social Network versus La La Land. La La Land with 95% of the vote. Boom. Am I right? And La La Land is moving on, but it yes. won only by 20, uh, 20, and only won by 10% of the vote. I'll take it. So, yeah, I, I, I had picked the social network winning the whole tournament, and obviously that cannot happen now. I mean, I, I, when La La Land was my favorite film of uh, 2016. I love the film. It's a great film, but I feel the social network is a better film, and I, I it's, I'm not upset that La La Land's going on. I know it's going to be crushed by the 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 match the the film that's going up against. But I don't know. I just I, mean, I, I know I know you don't care for the Social Network, but I I love it. No, it should have been knocked off a while ago. I think you just spoiled what the next movie is, though. I think I know already. Uh, yeah, I think you do too. Uh, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse versus Inside Out. Inside Out, obviously. And obviously, no, it's not. I, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is moving on. Now, with that being said, Inside Out did have a slight lead until two days ago when I, I looked at the polls, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse just made a comeback, and then never let go of that comeback. I think it's interesting that Inside Out did have a good lead, like, a good lead at first, and I, of course, was voting and rallying for Inside Out. Uh, once again, it's, this is a matchup which I love both of the films, but I like, it's, in, I like Inside Out, but Into the Spider Verse is better overall. I, I mean, it's, it's my favorite Spider-Man film versus my favorite Pixar film. It's kind of hard there. It's it's really hard, but I mean, once again, they're both great films, and it's going to be Spider-Man Into the Spider Verse versus La La Land. Mike, I'm assuming you're voting for Into the Spider Verse at this uh, matchup, but let's just. 
Gofford for formality, formality. Which one are you voting for? Into the Spider-Verse. I have a feeling that Into the Spider-Verse is going to destroy La La Land. I don't know if it's going to be zero. Or it's going to get zeroed. But it's gonna, I think it's going to be destroyed. Also, I, I like think that... You liked it better? Yeah, I also liked the movie better. Yeah. Yeah, as uh, big a fan as I am of La La Land, I am going to have to vote for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse here as well. I do think La La Land doesn't stand a chance. I don't think it's going to be a 100% blowout. I could obviously be wrong, but based off of uh, previous results from the tournament, I don't believe that La La Land will get 0%. I mean, La La Land, if we're going over it here, I mean, La La Land, first matchup, beat uh, the Hunger Games Catching Fire. It went on to beat Black Panther, beat Knives Out, and then obviously just went against the social network and won there. I don't think it's going to be a landslide for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, because I know Black Panther has a huge following, and that film lost to La La Land. But I I do think Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse will be moving on to... Uh, this last matchup, which I, I, I once again, it's a rival versus Avengers Endgame. I'm thinking that Avengers Endgame is going to move, move on here. I'm voting for Avengers Endgame. Mike, which one are you voting for, rival or Avengers Endgame? I'm I'm going to vote for a rival. I just because I don't want it to get zero. <laughs> I really like a rival. I'm really surprised it made it this far. Out of all the movies on my list to make it this far, I would not have expected a rival to have done so at all oh considering who it had to beat though like hugo the green book yeah that's it had a fairly easy path here it, it did i mean the, the the biggest one for me uh zero dark 30 versus arrival i did vote for zero dark 30 and then once again that didn't that didn't make it that far that far into the tournament but i really love arrival i i think it's a great film it has messages that are perfect for right now unfortunately with where we are right now as a country as a world the messages of this film probably are going to be relevant for generations to come so i mean he made a timeless movie but i i can't get over my love for avengers endgame i mean we've we've mentioned it here on the podcast before i saw the movie three times in 24 hours uh, the day it came out i I really do love Avengers Endgame. It's just one of the most exhilarating theater-going experiences I've ever had. And I... This is the... Not to get way off on a tangent here, or a sidetrack here, but like when I have kids, I'm so excited to go on that Marvel Cinematic Universe like story with them because it's such a moving series of films that have a perfect end with Avengers Endgame. And it really sounds like I'm pushing for Avengers Endgame to win the whole tournament, but I, if it is between Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Avengers Endgame, I do think that is a challenging matchup because, I mean, Spider-Man Into the, Into the Spider-Verse is basically Avengers Endgame just for Spider-Man. It's true. Yeah. I think so, if Spider-Man moves on and Arrival does, Spider-Man will probably destroy it. Avengers moves. Avengers move on, and La La Land moves on somehow. Endgame is going to destroy it. I think Avengers and Spider Man would be the closest matchup by far. So, so basically, what we're saying here is, no matter what happens, a superhero film is going to win the tournament, which is appropriate considering how large the movies have been over the last decade. So, we can see. Yeah, that. I mean, they they they've been. I mean, gangbusters at the box office. Gangbusters every time we post a review up on the site. I mean, they're always our most review, always our most viewed reviews. Always could be Ant Man and the Wasp, and you have a ton of people going over there clicking on it to read what we think of it, which is great. But once again, guys, I do I do want to point this out that there are other great films out there besides the big superhero blockbuster films. I I mean, obviously, I love them and I adore them, and I'll see them countless number of times in the theaters, but there are other great films out there. Just just kind of want to let you all know that. that yeah, and I think Arrival, getting this far and La La getting this far, means 
people know that they had to. I mean, like like you said, La La Land took out one of the Marvel films. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the Social Network beat Avengers Infinity War, so this isn't correct. This is not just a four way match match between superhero films. So I, I yeah, people do know that and realize that. And I mean, if you from the past decade, Spider Man into the Spider Verse and Avengers Endgame, and I mean, they are two of the best films of the past decade in two of the best superhero films. So, I mean, yeah, we, I think we do have match good matchups going on. If you guys want to vote, uh, filmologyshow.com, you can go to the homepage. There's a spot where you can click to vote. It takes you to the links. takes you to the brackets. You guys can all see what all films we had, all the 64 films. You can see where they lost. You can see where they won. And that's where we fall. So, filmologyshow.com, you can check out there and make sure you guys vote. You guys got to vote. We want to know what is the best film of the 2010s. So, we're going to be moving on to the next review, which is The Evil Dead. We're going to play the trailer here for The Evil Dead. And we'll meet you on the other side. friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh-possessing demons. That is the plot synopsis for the 1981 film The Evil Dead, directed by Sam Raimi. Mike, I'll just, I'll just ask you really quick. Uh, why Did you have any specific reason to pick uh, The Evil Dead for your streaming pick? Um, I saw it on Netflix. I thought I watched it before. Apparently going through puberty there. I thought I watched it before, but I couldn't remember it very well. And so I was like, I'll give it another shot. And I picked it for that reason, mostly. I enjoy horror movies, and this is one of the more popular older ones, or more famous ones. So and, was, and, yeah, and, and had you seen this film before? I mean, once you watched it, did like, something click in you where you're like, yeah, I've seen this film before, or was this your first time watching the film? I think I've seen it before. It was. I knew it was about to happen throughout most of it. I mean, there's not like a ton of twists or anything in the movie. You kind of know what you're getting when you go into it. But I think I watched it before. I also watched a remake from like 2015, I think. 2013. It's uh, a long time ago. Yeah. So that might also have been what happened. I'm pretty sure I watched the original as well. Did you watch it before? Okay, yes. Uh, I actually have a, a signed copy of The Evil Dead by uh, Bruce Campbell signed it. Uh, this would have been back in like 2011. So, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of The Evil Dead all four of the films, uh, The Evil Dead, the original here, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, and then 2013 remake. I, I am a fan of all of them. Um, I think they all have qualities that are really, really good. However, this film here, The Evil Dead, uh, the 1981 film, it kind of gets to a drag towards the, the, the third act of the film. Once you have one character remaining, it just kind of drags for a little bit. It just deflates the balloon a little bit. I, I forgot about that, apparently, when, when I was watching it this second time here. I, I, not second time, excuse me. This is probably like my 20th time watching this film by this point. Because usually when I watch this film, I'm more admiring the phenomenal camera movement that Sam Raimi puts into the film. I mean, if you're looking at the cinematography of this film... What, he was, like, what, 20 years old? He was, like, 20 years old when he was directing this film? I have no idea. He, he was, like, 20 years old on a shoestring budget. And the, 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 the opening shot of the movie, I mean, if you're not drawn into the film with that opening shot, then I don't... This film's not going to work for you. But, I mean, it's the opening shot's reminiscent of Jaws, which, once again, one of my all-time favorite films. But it's much more... <laughs> This is this is gonna sound like a, this is gonna sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's so unpolished. It, it just feels more authentic and raw 
than Spielberg. I mean, I love Spielberg and I love most of his films, but they're just so polished that it's like, man, nothing looks like it's by accident. Versus this film, I mean, it looks like, once again, it looks like they just walked into a random ca- random cabin. I mean, it looks like it's been sitting there forever, and it's because apparently it was. You can definitely tell the budget was very small, but they did a good job with a lot of the spe- or practical effects, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they did They did a great job. I mean, it, it's not going to scare most audiences today. There are, there are a couple things that do make me cringe. Uh, one of them with the pencil really makes me cringe. But... I mean that's that's just because I've like I, I, I have issues with that. I mean even in the new Pet Cemetery, there's something that kind of happens like that that makes me cringe. But yeah, I mean the, the, the special effects in this film are great, especially for 1981. They're great. Uh, the acting, I mean it's 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 basically it's hey, huh? It's bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad. It is bad. It, it is bad because it it was hey Sam Raimi getting together with all of his friends, be like hey you guys want to go make a movie? Yeah sure why not. I mean, I, I think we should commend him for that. I mean, I. This is once again. I've been to film school. I've worked on films that have had worse acting than this film, or and have worked on some films that have better acting, but the the camera work wasn't as good. The uh, the, the plot was terrible. Or it's just. I mean, this film here. I I, I can't get over the fact. Every time I watch a movie like uh, Evil Dead here, or Citizen Kane, or uh, once again even Jaws, I mean Spielberg. All those directors were in their twenties when they were making these films. Mike, you're past your twenties. I'm almost. I'm almost past my twenties. I feel like I've done nothing with my life. Every time I watch a film like this, that's all I can think of, and. That makes me feel sad, but also makes me feel like, hey, these are great directors, and they've gone on. Well, I mean, uh, Orson Welles is obviously dead, but he went on to do other great films. Sam Raimi went on to do the Spider-Man films, which, I mean, did the camera work in those films with the web slinging? I mean, that's all over the Evil Dead here. I mean, you can tell that that is a Sam. Ra- this is a Sam Raimi film, and if you watch the Spider-Man or Spider-Man Two. You can tell that those are Sam Raimi films, which I think is, I mean, that's great. That's his style. He's stuck to it for so long here. Yeah, I think, I think that's great. Mike, do you, do you, do you question your life when you figure out how like old these directors were or do you just not want to think about that at all? Well, I was doing okay until like two minutes ago and now. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. <laughs> no, but it was really good. I, I'm really impressed. I'm not, I, I wasn't thinking about that at all until just now. Yeah, we could we can still make a movie. You still got time. I think you have like four, three, two years left, something like that. I forgot. I have a year and a half left, so thank you very much. Uh, we got plenty of time. You can make a movie in that. Yeah, plenty of time. Yeah, uh, I, it's not going to happen. Uh, I I I'm not in film school anymore for a lot of reasons. But doing overnight shoots, like I mean, if you're looking at this film, this film does not look like it was fun to make. I mean, the, the end result, of course, is great, but. It doesn't look like it was a fun shoot. It looks like it would have just been... It looks like it could have just been a lot of nights in the cold, struggling with a lot of makeup and all this fake blood all over the place. And it's just... It just would have been hard. Uh, I, I do feel that we do have to talk about one of the scenes in the movie, which is... I, it's problematic and Sam Raimi has even said that if he made the film today he wouldn't put it in the film uh, which is the, the the tree rape scene that was it weird. doesn't yeah it doesn't add anything to the movie now if it was like it's hard to, it's hard to talk about this film because I don't know what context it was released under because it was it was never submitted to the MPAA because they never wanted it to get rating I mean this is this is a very independent film. So I don't know how really it got out there into the world. I know that Stephen King saw it and he was talking about it, so that made a lot of people interested in it. But I don't know how they ended up seeing it until like VHS, which might be the real reason why a lot of people saw this film. In a, in in an exploitation film, that scene works. I mean, that 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 works. That's what you're expecting in exploitation films. Just want to state the hard truth. I mean, it's that it's that. Making it's not gonna make it any easier if you don't like those films, but that's that's what you come to expect. But with this film here, 
and especially in the context of the other films, it just feels out of place. It's just... It's, 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 it's unnecessary. It's horrifying to watch, but I, I, I don't think it was needed in the film. And if you cut that scene out, you're still going to be horrified by other things that are going on. Uh, sadly, you can't cut it because it's needed for plot purposes. Uh, I mean, you could just have her running outside, cut, and then she's running back to the, the the cabin because something happened and you don't know what happened and maybe that makes it more suspenseful. I don't know. I've never done a fan edit of this film. Just just know that going in, there is a, that scene that is problematic. Sam Raimi has said it's problematic. It is in the 2013 remake. It is tweaked a bit. I don't want to get into that like how they make it different because it is different. It's not the same kind of exploitation feel that this one has. Um, it, it's they're trying to have deeper meanings with that 2013 uh, film than this one has, uh, which is this film's just meant to shock you, mm-hmm. and it, it does. Yeah, it does a good job of it, but yeah, it definitely as a product of its time. It definitely felt like a movie. It came out in '81, I think you said, but it still felt like a movie from the '70s. And that's actually, before you said that, I thought that's when it came out, was in the mid to late 70s. Is that my favorite movie that i picked so far? I think this is my favorite movie that you've picked so far. Um, this is definitely my favorite movie that you've picked so far. Over Hitch, Almost an Angel, and Earth Girls Are Easy, definitely. Uh, the Evil Dead here is my favorite of the films that you've picked. However, when it comes to our grading, this is where it becomes tricky. Usually for the ratings, I try and say things that I think that with my personal viewpoints, people, if people would like the film or not, if I say see it, then yeah, everyone should go out and see it. I don't, I I can tell you right now that there are going to be people who aren't going to enjoy this film. It's going to be too dated for them. It's going to be too slow for them. The acting is going to be way too bad. And the acting is bad, but the camera, the 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 camera is the way that this camera moves is phenomenal, and the the effects in the movie are kind of fun to watch. I mean, they look terribly cheesy one moment and they look really great the next, but they're still fun to watch. Usually, this would come down to the I'm going to give it a see it with that caveat. It is kind of homework at this point. I mean, if you were doing like a film class on horror, this would be in that class. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to enjoy it. It's just, you can see where the horror genre was in 1981, and then, I mean, if you want to go watch The Lighthouse or Midsommar to see where the horror genre is now, you can do that. This film is, once again, it's a product of its time. Really good for 1981. Not that good for 2020. Mike, where do you stand on The Evil Dead? I'm going to say rent it, because the acting, like we said, was atrocious. Bruce Campbell was the best of it, I guess, but it still wasn't great by any means. The only highlights really were the special effects for me, or the practical effects. Um, like, the plot was predictable. You know where it's going. Um, if you know anything about where the series goes, you know who's going to survive. Actually, so, I'm going to say rent it. It wasn't super impressed. Yeah, it, yeah. And, and I, I do feel that the film series does get its footing more as it goes on. Uh, I like Night of in, in, or Army of Darkness was much better, in my opinion, from what I remember. Well, in Army of Dark- Darkness, it's much more comedy. That's so, true. which once again, it's great. I mean, that's one thing which I love about the Evil Dead series is each film is really a different genre. Uh, so that, that's a lot of fun. Have you ever seen uh, the Cabin in the Woods? I have. I love that movie. Yeah, I mean. Like the Cabin in the Woods owes a lot to uh, the Evil Dead. I think they even have like the bridge scene, where like someone makes it to the bridge to escape, but the bridge is destroyed or whatever. Like the like Cabin in the Woods popped in my head exactly when that happened, and I was like, "Hey, wait a minute." Um, yeah, and I know there's a scene with uh, Bradley Whitford, and I can't remember the other actor, but Bradley Whitford and his his. His bo- his coworker are looking at their the blackboard of all these different things that could happen within the cabin to, to torment these uh, unsuspecting uh, victims, and there's a lot of like a lot of like little evil dead 
things on that chalkboard. I mean, if you, if you guys haven't seen uh, The Cabin in the Woods, I definitely a great double feature would be The Evil Dead and The Cabin in the Woods. I agree. I, sp- I don't know. Cabin, I like Cabin in the Woods much better than I like The Evil Dead, although that's, again, another comedy. So maybe like comedy yeah, horror yeah. better. Yeah, and, and and that's that's a whole other conversation because the first time I saw that film, I had a, I had some problems, but I do think it's a great film. Uh, I do have some problems with it though. That's gonna about wrap it up for this week's show. Once again, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, you want to tell us that you agreed or disagreed with our thoughts on the films, you can email us at filmologyshow at gmail dot com. We'll read those on the air and get back to you, or get or get back to you, whichever you prefer. Um, I know that we are looking at our numbers for podcasting. Our numbers are going up, so that's great. You guys are listening. We're not getting feedback, so we don't know if we're doing things that you guys want to hear or if we're just rambling for the sake of rambling and someone's just clicking subscribe. I don't really know. But it's just if my grandma forced, listening to it over and over again. Is that what it is? Oh, that's that's good to know. Like Once again, uh, once the world does go back to normal, which could take a bit, who knows at this point, we will go back to seeing films in the theater. I also think, Mike, and I guess talking for the first time about this with you on mic instead of uh, off mic, uh, I, I do think that we should keep these streaming picks going where we continue to look at films that are streaming. I think it's a lot of fun. It's going to be a great way to expand not only our film horizons, but the listeners' film horizons as well. I mean, there's tons of great films that are streaming or... Uh, in the case of uh, Almost an Angel, some terrible films that are streaming. But either way, we'd like to, we'd like to, I think we should keep this going. I mean, are you having a good time with it, Mike? Indeed. And I'm going to make it my goal to find a movie worse than Almost an Angel, just for you. Oh, that's great. I mean, well, may, maybe I'll enjoy it more because Almost an Angel was just, it was just bad. Because I thought it was being good. I think that's the problem with it. It's, it was a film that thought it was doing a good job, but really it was doing a terrible job. Oh, that was just that was a bad one. I'm sorry, Mike. But for next week's show, I picked. Well, first, I'll, I'll talk about the film that's streaming. That's not a pick. It's just a streaming film that we are going to be talking about because it's a new released film. Uh, that is Extraction. It's going to be on Netflix. It stars uh, Chris Hemsworth. You know, everyone knows Chris Hemsworth. He's Thor. He was in the the failed reboot or sequel of Men in Black, whichever you want to call that. Hunger Games. And. Uh, no, 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 that, that's, that's, that's Liam. It was a joke. This is, the, yeah, this, this, this is Chris. So, uh, he was also in uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Really good in that film. That was fantastic. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we're going to be talking about that. That's on Netflix. So, just a heads up, you guys, if you want to wa- watch that film, uh, feel free to, and we will we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, my streaming pick that I'm picking it is not on Netflix, but it's on Amazon Prime. This week, I decided to try and pick a film. Well, not try and pick a film. I picked a film I had not seen. For all the other films I've been picking, I'm like, you know what? I've been picking films that that are somewhat important to me in my film life. Now, I decided to pick a film I have not seen. But it's directed by somebody who is incredibly important to my film life. Uh, he's one of the big reasons why I went to film school. Why I, I know a whole bunch of people who are currently in film school or have graduated from film school. Uh, the film is directed by Steven Spielberg. That is, uh, the film is going to be an artificial intelligence, uh, well, AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, it is streaming on Amazon Prime. Really excited to see the film. Haven't watched it. I have no excuse why I haven't watched it before, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping to have a good good watch. I've seen it, I've seen it a couple of times. I think I watched it like a couple of years ago. That's Robin Williams, right? Nope. That was Bicentennial Man, that's, I'm thinking of. That's Bicentennial Man, which I have seen once, and I hated it. Oh, I know what I'm picking this week, then. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on Bicentennial Man. I'm just kidding. I have no idea if that's streaming or not. I'm looking forward to watching AI then. Again, though, it should be good. It has the I See Dead People kid in it, right? Yeah, Haley Joel Osment's in it. I know Jude Law's in it. Um, I, I mean, I do know that the film was like, Stanley Kubrick was going to make the film, but then he passed away. Um, so I, I, I've, I've been told that the film has a lot of the sensibilities of Stanley Kubrick, which, I mean, uh, it, it seems really odd that Spielberg would make the film because Kubrick's films are so cold, and Spielberg's films are like, you know, yay, family, together, uh, happy moments, happy memories. So it seems really weird that he'd be the one to direct it. So I, I am excited to see this film i 
I, I, I helped. I hope to love it. I really do. Oh, Mike, what film did you pick for next week? I usually pick movies I haven't seen before or I don't remember seeing or hitch for some reason. Um, but I'm going to pick something I know I've seen before because I really liked it as a kid again. Um, this time I know I really oh, liked great. it. I remember it very well. Um, it's going to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original movie on Netflix. Very excited. Academy Award winning <sighs> movie, by the way. What did that win? It was, you know, Suicide Squad 1 2. What did this win for? Um, Best Picture, I believe. Um, I could be wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to double check. I'm pretty sure Best Picture. You, were, uh, you weren't looking at the Razzies there or anything, were you? You were not, not trying to not trying to show my hand too much here, but. No, no. Uh, it won for Best Costume or something like that. Makeup, maybe. Probably Costume. I'll check right now. Cost? I don't think that the the spider the, the spiders. I don't think that the turtles count as costumes. Why? I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it more next week. But yeah, that's not, that's not a film that I love. I also I also grew up like three years after the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were really big. Oh, it was so huge I just missed it in my childhood. I was. Yeah, and I have cousins who that was the their, the big thing when they were growing up, and I I just missed it. But I, I have seen this film before, so uh, but obviously I'll journey back to it again. And all of our listeners out there, journey back to it. Uh, if you guys have any feedback that you want to give us on this this show, or if you guys want to tell us what you th- uh, you think of the films, artificial intelligence. And uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you can email your thoughts on those movies to filmologyshow at gmail.com. Um, and we, Mike and I will read those off and we'll talk about your thoughts after we go through our review uh, to see what our listeners think of the films. That's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Mike, do you have anything else that you want to get out? Only that I see no reference to the Oscar win online, so I might have just made that up. Otherwise, I'm good to go. <laughs> So Mike's just imagining uh, Oscar-winning films now. If only we could all imagine that Green Book did not win Best Picture. With that being said, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We'll see you next week, and enjoy your weekend film. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.